In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents... I really want to lose three pounds. Yeah, no, don't put me down for cardio. Diet starts tomorrow. Exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. I want to quit the gym. gym. Happy people just don't shoot their husbands. With hosts Aileen Cooperman... Joey does a shampoo! ...and Sammy Fishbein. Whatever, I'm getting cheese fries. Hello, welcome to Diet Starts Tomorrow. I'm Aileen. I'm Sammy. Today, we are joined by Victoria Garrick, who you probably already know from her amazing TikToks or from YouTube or Instagram. Victoria is a mental health and body image advocate, TED Talk speaker, a former D1 athlete, and host of her own podcast, Real Pod. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I actually used to scroll through Betches like during class in college. <laughs> so this is a full circle moment for me. Wow, that is a, that is a very full circle moment. <laughs> Thank you for joining like in my us. lectures. Yeah, yeah well, we're, we appreciate you coming on and talking about it. You're very accomplished. So based yeah. on that intro we just gave, well, we wanted to bring you on because we wanted you to talk about your life as an athlete, how it shaped you and how mental health is currently impacting all of us around holidays and quarantine, since that's something that you talk about on your podcast and all of the TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. <laughs> So tell us, like, so you talked about college, like, where are you now? You were a D1 athlete in college. Yeah, I played volleyball at USC from 2015 to 2019. And I never struggled with my mental health in the terms of like anxiety or depression on a legitimate level, right? I think everyone in high school is like, I'm stressed about the SATs, but I never had like anxiety. Um, But then when I got to college, that just really all changed for me because the whole lifestyle and environment was just wildly different. And it was really hard for me to adjust to. And I know, obviously, you guys talk about body image a lot, which I love. Um, And, you know, coming out of high school, it was similar. Like I had some issues with my body. I counted my calories, but it was nothing too severe. And then it was like all three of these things when I got to college just skyrocketed. (laughs) Right. Yeah. College definitely has a way of sort of like bringing out any potential bad habits or anxieties. And just like, I think the environment of being around people, and I imagine probably, especially on a sports team, like leads to a lot of comparisons. So I guess, how did that, how did that affect you while you were, while you were playing D1 volleyball? Well, there were so many comparisons. I think, you know, I was definitely intimidated at the, just the reputation of, I mean, you, you, well, you guys are from the Midwest, right? No, we're from, we're from Long Island. <laughs> Northeast. Originally. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. Love it. Love it. With like, with USC and LA, there's just such a rep of, oh my gosh, all the girls here look like models and all the guys are Zac Efron's, blah, 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 blah. And so I think, you know, going into it, I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to be liked by the guys? Am I going to like be as pretty as my new friends? And then there was also that pressure of, 
you know, am I looking like an athlete? Am I strong enough to play on this team? I think, um, you know, at that level, there's almost two body images you have. There's like the normal college party girl body beauty standard that you want. And then there's the, well, I'm an athlete and I'm Olympic lifting and I'm eating like 3000 calories a day. Like I'm not, it's one of these has to change. (laughs) Wait, tell us more about the Olympic lifting and eating 3000 calories a day. (laughs) Well, yeah, so I know, right? That sounds crazy. So we were training with like world-class trainers at USC and like full-on barbells, the multicolor like weight sets that you put on and you're squatting and you're deadlifting. And it was just a big change. Uh, and I was 18 and your body's still changing. And as a result, I got a lot stronger, but I also gained a lot of muscle and I gained fat. You know, it's just natural to do that when you switch your lifestyle and you go to college. Um, And we were training like our, so get this, our practice block every single day was one to six Monday through Saturday. So we weren't necessarily working out. (laughs) School was between eight and one and six and 10. Wow. Um, and so we were training for about, I think like three to three and a half hours a day, like practice and lift. And so as a result, I was just so, so hungry. So I was eating a lot more and you actually need like 3000, possibly more calories to just fuel um, and have energy and endurance at that level of play. But that was so foreign to me because like I said, I graduated high school thinking like, oh, I'm going to count my whatever small number it was. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in college and I'm just, I'm needing a lot more food. My body is changing and all of that, you know, I wasn't necessarily piped about it. And that's kind of what started, you know, my, my issues with food. So, yeah. So, okay. You say it started your issues with food. Like how was the mindset that your coaches and teammates led to you having issues with food and your body? It really didn't have anything to do with my coaches or teammates. It was more so I noticed I was gaining weight and gaining muscle and eating more. And I really wanted to go back to this high school shape. And, you know, I want my high school, you know, I think everyone goes to college and their high school pants get snug and you want to fit them again. And so I was like, okay, I'll just, you know, go on a diet and I will, you know, get back to where I want to be. It's going to be easy. I did this in high school, but what ended up happening was, you know, I would try to go on this diet without the help of an, of anyone. So I'm just coming up with this number in my head from like a freaking Tumblr forum (laughs) and um, you know, it's not attainable and I'm like left really hungry and I don't have the energy for my day. And so at night, because I'm so hungry and I'm stressed, like, and I'm developing performance anxiety, I would just eat uh, the food back. And it started with a, Oh gosh, you know, I broke my diet. I caved. I had food tonight. I can't believe I did that. So tomorrow I'm going to go back on my diet. And that started the cycle of like, okay, I'm going to diet. And then I'm going to cave diet cave, which led to restrict binge, restrict, binge, and then kind of got worse and worse until, you know, I really was uh, struggling with a binge eating disorder. Yeah. I mean, that is definitely, that sounds familiar to, to us. When did you realize you had that? Was that in still in college or after you've graduated? No, this was still in college. This was like freshman year. It was, um, not good. And, and, and a little bit into sophomore year before I like, you know, sought help for that. But, um, I just noticed like I was not able to control myself around food and 
I also was hiding it and I just knew it was wrong. And I, yeah, I guess I've never gotten that question before. It's so difficult to know, like, when did you know it was a problem? Like, I think the whole time I knew something was weird. I think in the beginning you think, oh, everyone goes on a diet. Everyone tries yeah. to be skinny. So you're like, it's not a big deal. But then as it got worse and worse, um, I just knew I wasn't well. And I was also developing some other mental health issues. So like all of those together, I just was not in a good place. So what did you, I guess, like what kind of led you to do something about it or to realize that it was something you actually had to like actively seek, seek help for? I, so what happened was I now was my sophomore year and sophomore year was even a little bit darker for me. That's when I like kind of fell. Also, I feel like I came out like guns blazing. It's been like five minutes. And I'm like, I was depressed. You guys no, we're like, like there's shit. so much to dive into. Like I, I also want to talk about okay. how like a year ago you graduated and that, and you gave it to, like, there's so much to talk about. So, so okay. I'm also like super, I, I, I wouldn't say, I hate when people say overshare because it gives this connotation that like people don't want to hear about things. And I'm just, I would say I'm just like not sugarcoating things is not in my vocabulary. Like if you ask me the question, I'm going to give you the answer. So that's probably why I'm like, I'm going there real fast. Sophomore year, I was depressed. Where was I? And um, <laughs> so with that, you know, the binging was a lot worse and food was really a coping mechanism. And that year, I remember like I went into a nutritionist at school because USC provided us with these incredible, you know, um, dietitians and nutritionists to help us with these things. And so I finally went in and in this conversation, long story short, I ended up kind of explaining my current eating patterns and like breaking down crying. And this woman was like, I think this is the thing you're dealing with. And she kind of like, not really like, I don't want to say diagnosed me, but just like gave me the impression that like, okay, this is not right. Um, And then from that moment, I felt like I had to tell my mom just because my mom and I are super close. She's like my best friend. And I just felt like I needed to tell her because for my whole life, anytime I went to a doctor's office or anything, you know, my mom knew what was going on. So I told my mom and um, you guys will actually love this. This is kind of funny. My mom came to town like a few days later for a game and we went to lunch and I was like kind of on the verge of tears. You know, when you're about to tell someone something, it's hard for you. And I'm like, mom, I need to tell you something. Um, This is like, I I just don't know what you're going to think. And my mom cuts me off and goes, are you pregnant? (laughs) And I was like, no, I was like, no, I'm not pregnant. But it kind of like broke the ice because I was thinking, well, I guess I'm not pregnant. So (laughs) this might not be (laughs) that bad of news for you. Um, And I told her like, I think I have an eating disorder and blah, 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 blah. And it was so helpful because my mom was just like so kind about it. And then she ended up getting me this book and some resources that really helped me. And, you know, I don't know. And that's when I learned about intuitive eating, which like absolutely saved my relationship with food. So, you know, I always tell people like just telling one person, maybe it's not your mom for you, but it's your best friend or a teammate or um, someone in your life. You never know how they can support or help you and how that could have such a positive effect. Wow. wow. That's amazing that your mom knew about intuitive eating. Like what was, how did, did she like research it? How did she come to that discovery? This is funny too. My mom did not know about intuitive eating, but she went on Amazon and just looked up like emotional eating, binge eating, like bestsellers. And I guess she found this book called Breaking Free from Emotional Eating by Janine Roth. And she got the book for me and like gave it to me. And the way she presented this book to me was 
Victoria, like I just found this book. I think I read it a few years ago. I just thought it might be helpful for you. I'm like, mom, you found a book called Breaking Free from Emotional Eating laying around upstairs. She's like, yeah. I'm like, mom, there's a receipt in the book. Um, And she's like, I just wanted to help you. And I'm like, okay, I'll read it. But I was like mortified. I mean, this book, the title of the book I always joke about is so funny, like Breaking Free from Emotional Eating. So I actually duct taped the cover as I read it at school and in front of my teammates because I wanted to read this book, but I didn't want people to know what I was reading. And that's where I learned about intuitive eating. And yeah, so I don't think my mom knew what the book had. She just saw like bestseller and binge eating. That's so funny. (laughs) It feels like cat food has been the same forever. Smelly, boring, made of mystery ingredients. That's why you've got to try Smalls. Smalls cat food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients you'd find in your fridge. And it's delivered right to your door. Make the switch from kibble and give your cat a meal they'll love. We actually sent some to my friend who is fostering kittens, and it is the only thing they will eat. It comes in these pate packages, and you scoop it, and you just feel like you're a chef for your baby kitties, and they j'adore it. Your cute kitty is descended from ferocious desert cats who hunted live prey. Even if your cat prefers to nap all day, they still need fresh protein-packed meals for a balanced and healthy diet. Other brands fill their food with mysterious meat byproducts, artificial flavoring, and preservatives with names I don't even want to try to pronounce. After switching it up to Smalls, 90% of cat owners reported overall health improvements. That's major. The team at Smalls is so confident your cat will love their product that you can try it risk-free. That means they'll completely refund you if your picky cat won't eat their food. Now is the time to make the switch to Smalls. Head to smalls.com DST and use promo code DST at checkout for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. That's the best offer you'll find, but you have to use my code DST for 50% off your first order. One last time, that's promo code DST for 50% off your first order plus free shipping, baby. So what was your, what was your recovery process? Like being in college and with teammates and in such like an intense, it's really an intense situation because you are working out like at such a high level and it does require energy. So how did you like, how did that go? Yeah, it was a lot of things happening at once for me. So I kind of mentioned that sophomore year was the darkest for me and I kind of had an existential crisis moment in my life. I think like 19 is the age where you like lay in your bed, like, wait, I'm supposed to graduate, make money to get married, to have a kid, to die. Like it just, you know, you you go through all those things. And as I was going through this, you know, I started to evaluate, like, how did I get to this point? And I realized I was so obsessed with Instagram and I was so obsessed with Facetune and I was just so superficial. And, um, I really had like a big, shift in my life where I realized like I had got to such a low point and I needed to make a different, make a change. And so, you know, I went dark on Instagram for like a month or two and I, um, stopped getting in all the sorority pictures, like, cause I was triggering for me and I was seeing my therapist and I was working on myself and like surrounding myself with my best friend. And, and, you know, I made a lot of changes, but one thing I think that's uniquely different about me. And I like to say this just so people have you know, real expectations for themselves is I am kind of a person where if I find an answer or a solution and I like it and it, it, it rings true to me, 
like I'm going to do that thing. You know, it's I, I, I even have family members who who aren't that way. They find the answer. They know the answer, but they don't do it. And so it's kind of like I saw intuitive eating, realized I had a problem, realized Instagram was a problem for me. And I was like, holy shit, I need to, I need to fix and, and change all these things. And yes, there, it was challenging and difficult and it wasn't an overnight thing, but I think it happened a lot quicker for me than I don't know, I would say most people. But like, that's how hashtag real posts started on my Instagram. I mean, at the time I had no followers, nothing, but I was just like, screw it. This stuff is so stupid. Like, and I started posting no filter, random, just TMI Instagrams and just writing hashtag real post. And, you know, that's kind of where the social platform started to, you know, figure itself out. That's great. I I saw a bunch of them that that they're very um, I love the captions and stuff. It's also funny because you recently interviewed Elise Resch from who was a co-author of Intuitive Eating, which is like Mm -hmm. full circle. (laughs) Yeah, that's an amazing. Yeah, She's awesome. And her books are her are amazing as well. There have been so many people I've now found to talk about intuitive eating. And I mean, Elise was one of the co-founders, you know, with Evelyn Tribble and I think their book's phenomenal as well. So it's just been cool to continue to learn more about it. Yeah. And I was just going to say, when you were talking about how like you just, when you find a solution, you do it. I think that that's the athlete discipline. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I give you a lot of credit for, for, for being able to identify the problem that you were having in college and also actually absorb a solution and then act on it. Because I feel like if, if I, if I had done that at the point that you did, I really feel like I'd be in a very different place today because it's funny. Like that was kind of the age for me that like all of this really started in the intense way that it did. I would say that was probably when I found it like the easiest to actually not eat for like hours and hours. And had I like realized this is not okay, instead of glorifying that behavior until I was like 20, maybe six or 27, that is, so that's really commendable that you were able to kind of like resist the pressure. Like, was it hard to say no to things in college? Like if you felt that it didn't, it wasn't really like best for your recovery. I, I think, and yeah, as you say that I'm really reflecting on like why, you know, I was able to, to, to feel so adamant about changing. And like, I was at a place that sophomore year where like, I was so not well that I was, you know, having those thoughts of what's the point and how do I press pause on this? And it was just really dark for me. And I think that's where I was like, holy, like, this is not me. Like, this is not the girl that came to her dream school to play her favorite sport and, you know, do all these things. And um, I think that place was so miserable that I like wanted a healthy relationship with my body, food and my mental health more than I wanted to keep up with a body type at that, at that point in time. And, you know, I also think when we question like why, why we are the way we are, that's one of the things I did. Right. I was like, well, how did I get to this point? Like when my Instagram is so fake, you know, blah, 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 I hang out with these people. And I believe these things. And then I think with the body image stuff too, you think, okay, well, who said like, you have to be skinny. Who said that, you know, muscles, not feminine muscles, not attractive. And like, I started to challenge these notions and you know, you start to realize that you're, you're trying to please and get the approval of a society that will literally never approve you. 
And realizing that as well was the moment where I was like, like me, like I'm not anyone that waits for someone to give me the green light. Yet here I have been for years trying to get this green light from likes and comments and the scale that my body's good enough. And you just kind of think about it and you're like, that's literally never going to happen. And when I talk to people about that, I'm like, you know, you, you see people magazine does like the most beautiful woman of the year. And every year someone's like, Oh my God, no, Jennifer Aniston. She's too old. Oh my God. Beyonce. I'm so not about her. Like there's always people that are like, no, no, no. It's always someone else. And it just goes to show that like, no matter how your body looks, how your face looks, there's always going to be people who just, you don't do it for them. (laughs) And so I think you just have to do it for yourself. So it seems like you have a lot of clarity on how you view the world and yourself and like what you want out of life. How do you think that you got that like so clearly, I guess? Yeah, that's something that I actually do get asked. I'm surprised you picked up on you. You said that so fast. You're clearly a great interviewer, like making analyzations like that (laughs) because, you know, it is something that people close to me, you know, know. And I, as I think back on it, I don't really know how I got such a sense of, like, I rarely have ever let, like, this is just a, a good example for people. Think, I've never had a, a, an issue with like a toxic guy who treated me like shit. And I let that go on for years. That's not my personality type. Like, you know, and I think that get, can kind of give an example of me being aware of, of kind of where I'm at. And if something's not right, I'm not like aligned with that. And I don't know. I think I grew up with parents who really, instilled confidence in me. You know, my dad was always saying, you can do anything you want in life. And my mom was saying, you can do anything you want if you go make it happen. Like it's not going to get handed to you. And I think both of those messages really helped shape me. Don't get me wrong. I've failed many times and I've made so many mistakes and I'm still learning so much. Like I know that there's so much I have to learn and I'm constantly feeling like there's more I can be doing better. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, like I'm really secure in, in who I am. That's you're so lucky. (laughs) You are lucky, especially to figure that at a young age, but it seems like based on what you said about your mom and how she responded, I think I would agree that like the way that your parents maybe raised you (laughs) is definitely plays a part for sure. Yeah. And, and I know that that's something that's rare, you know, not, I'm so blessed and lucky to have that. That's not something that everyone has. I know a lot of people would have called their mom and like gotten the call of, yeah, well, I mean, I can see it in your body. Like, you know, there's those moms that would have made those comments. And I totally understand that. And that's why I feel so lucky to, you know, have had that support system. And of course, you know, my family does not have a white, white picket fence outside of our house. Like we have problems too, but you are right. Like, you know, there was like the sense of unconditional love that really helped me. And I know it's not that easy for those who don't have, you know, that support. Definitely. Okay. You are Ted speaker. How yeah. did you get from, you just graduated basically a year ago. A year okay. Ago. So yes. a year ago, you know, I feel like so many, so many women, people spend kind of that year after college or like a few years after college feeling like, what's my place? How did you figure out what your place was so quickly and like, go for it? Well, the Ted talk was my sophomore spring of college. So it was that semester after I had this like big light bulb switch and I was not at all like in a great place when I gave the Ted talk, but I was in a place where I felt like I was aware of like what had happened to me and what the issue was. And 
it was just fate. Like I was sitting in class. There was an email that came through to, to the students at the school saying, Ted, TEDx is coming to campus. If you have a story, like apply. And I was a journalism major. So I had already been thinking about like ways to kind of tell this story. And so it just without second thought, you know, I knew what I wanted to share. And it's always funny because I think everyone thinks, oh, I would love to give a TED talk, but there's not anything that feels natural for you. And even now, like, I don't think that there's something I could, that feels natural for me to give a TED talk at this point in my life. But that night I was like, I want to talk about student athlete mental health, because I just feel like my life was flipped upside down with you know, everything I went through and I don't want other student athletes feeling the same. So, you know, I submitted my application. I got called back. Then I got called back again. Then I got cut. Then I got called back again. Um, and then I ended up delivering it. And it, uh, is another reason I started to kind of find a presence online as people saw the talk and then came to Instagram, then they saw the real posts and then you know, think, things were developing as I was a junior and senior in school and I started a YouTube channel in school. So, you know, when I graduated, like you said, you know, a lot of people are like looking for that, that next thing. And my, my senior spring after volleyball, my last volleyball season ended, I was seeing people, you know, reach out about having, they say, I saw your Ted talk. Would you come speak at my campus? And so my senior spring, I started to visit some schools and speak, which kind of led me to be in a position to, to fully do that and set that up for the fall after I graduated. And that's kind of how things happened. But of course, you know, being self-employed and a speaker and a content creator and podcast host, as you guys know, with what you do and the brand that you've built, that's so amazing. It takes a lot of hard work. It's unconventional. You get a lot of weird questions and comments from people who are like, what do you do? And, you know, you have to navigate all that. But fortunately, you know, it's been going well so far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really awesome. Can you share with everyone the the name of your TED Talk so they can look it up? Yeah, my TED Talk is titled The Hidden Opponent, and it focuses on this other competitor, this other thing we have to defeat as athletes that you can't see. And that is mental health. And I kind of tell that story through my experiences and then also talk broadly about, you know, the pressure of athletics and the stigmas in sports culture. This episode is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always find the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you, Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for this season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. And you always have the option to buy what you love. I love Newly. I've rented so many cute things from there, and I've even made a few purchases from there. And they're always spot on. They have so many brands that I honestly could never afford in real life. So it's great to be able to rent them. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DST20. Just go to Newly, that's N U U L Y dot com, and enter the code DST20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. 
That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, Newly with two U's, with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. I'm wondering overall if you think that like the experience of being a student athlete is positive for the mental health of student athletes or if it's negative because I mean, you're, so you're not the first athlete that we've interviewed. And I actually, I really love conversations with, with athletes sometimes because sometimes (laughs) you have like the really intense athlete who feels like why, who's sort of like, well, why can't you do it? I do it. And then you have the athlete who has, who really gets the importance of mental health. So I'm just wondering if you feel like overall it's a net positive or a net negative for, for athletes, mental health. (laughs) It is definitely in, in, it is particular and specific to each person experiencing it. You know, for me, I would say it was ultimately a positive because it made me who I am today. It sucks that having to become who I am today had to involve such dark places, but I wouldn't change that because I don't know where I would be um, in my life. Uh, And so, you know, it's it's a net positive for me, but you mentioned, you know, you have athletes who are like, if I can do it, you can do it, the tough, tough, tough. I get that. And like, that has to be a part that is an element of a great competitor is I'm going to go one more rep. I'm going to push myself to the brink and then do another one. I'm going to get up when I don't want to get up. I understand that stuff. I did that stuff to play as a walk-on on this D1 team. But what people don't talk about is there's a fine line between mental toughness, which is what I just described and mental health. And I have conversations about this a lot because you need to know the line of what is one, what is one more rep or pushing myself too far. And I think, you know, we overlook the mental health component in sports culture because we always say, don't make excuses. You know, there's the no excuses mindset Mm -hmm. and no one would tell you not to make an excuse if you literally had a torn ACL or you were bleeding or you had a swollen ankle, like they could see you can't just push through. That doesn't make you weak. You literally are injured. The problem with mental health is no one can see the depression. They can't see the chemical imbalance in your brain. So they tell you that you should be able to push through and do one more when really they're asking you to run on that same injury, but this time they can't see it. And so I think those invisible injuries, those hidden opponents are what need to be more respected and trusted um, in, you know, sports culture. What do you think is like a sign of like you, you're on the other end, like you've gone too far? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, because I think just while you think about that, I think that can apply like, not just to like, like, uh, professional athleticism, that's the word, like just working out in general, um, or going on diets or just like any kind of thing that you add discipline to your life. I think, you could always take something too far. And exact. it's that same thing. Like I'm pushing myself. That's good. Like you can't, everybody always says change happens when you're uncomfortable, but like how uncomfortable is too uncomfortable, you know? So, yeah. So please, if you have any like thoughts on, on the share, <laughs> I mean, on the signs. Yeah. And I love that you said change happens when you're uncomfortable. I love uncomfortability. I think that's so true. You know, you need to be uncomfortable, but I think there's, 
I mean, think about it in life. You know, there's no one would say go to a gas station at 10 o'clock at night and by yourself. That's an uncomfortable that we know is not good for our development, right? That's like a scary, I, I might be in danger. It's not smart. Whereas there's the uncomfortable of, hey, tell the stranger in line at Starbucks that, you know, you you love their top today. That Like that's uncomfortable. And your heart will pound as you think about talking to a stranger. Try it. I've done it before. Yeah. So I think when you realize it's negatively impacting your mental health and your life, that that's probably not a good place to be. And one of the other parts of that uh, answer is like recovery is really important and rest for anything in life. You know, the greatest athletes take days, weeks, months off in different ways. They still, they still stretch, they still rehab, whatnot, but you can't go a hundred percent every single day before the championship match. You're just not going to be your best self. And I think the same thing is for everything in life. Like whether you are studying for a big exam in your life and you've studied every single day of the week, it's okay to on Saturday, go for a walk and then go for lunch with a friend and then come back to studying. We all need those breaks. And the mindset that like, I hate the you're either getting better or you're getting worse mindset. And I used to believe that, right? Like I grew up in a, my brother was an athlete too. So we get competitive and it was always like, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. So come work out and train or sit at home and let someone else beat you. But I think there is, you know, a power in realizing, Hey, I don't have anything else in me today. So I am going to go home and I'm going to watch a show and I'm going to eat with my roommates. And then I'm gonna wake up the next day. And that was a lesson I learned in school, um, which I, I don't have to keep harping on it, but I learned that from freshman year being the girl that was like, I'm going to go longer and harder than you. And that led me to anxiety versus senior year. I was starting And I saw a girl trying to go longer and harder than me. And I was just like, sweet girl, like I'm going to go shower and I'm going to go home. And I promise you, that's not going to be the answer for you. You got to, you got to go based on yourself, not competing with others. Yeah. I once saw this or a few weeks ago, I saw this quote card on Instagram that was like, like be patient with yourself. Like nothing blooms all year. And I was thinking like Mm -hmm. seasons, like sports are played in seasons, like flowers come in seasons. Like it's okay to kind of have like, I think that you need the downtime just as much as you need the, the blooming time because like, that's what enables you to, 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 to actually bloom. Like you see that in nature and yeah, I think that is definitely an important lesson. It is. And you can't also judge or guilt yourself when you are taking that relaxing time. You know, when you're going to take that break the whole day, if you're thinking, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm such a piece of shit, blah, 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 blah. You're not actually going to get the break that you need. And that's hard for me as well. I struggle to just sit still yesterday. Sunday was really weird Sunday for me. I, I was guilt tripping myself all day long, you know, and I'm not trying to act like I do these things perfectly, but you know, when you take those breaks to really allow yourself to do it is a key as well. I felt like this weekend was such a like harbinger for the rest of the winter, which is so depressing to think about. But yeah, I, I, I actually felt that this weekend too. Like just blah. Same. Yeah. Can you clarify, did you play volleyball all four years of college? Yes, I did. Okay. So now that you're graduated, what, how, how do you look at fitness? How do do you feel like, like empty without volleyball? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like what, what's that? That must be different for you. Yeah, it, it is different. I, 
you know, looking back on those, that last game and graduating, I felt done. You know, the four years of playing at USC was just to such an extreme that I felt like I, if someone said you can do one more season of college, I would have said absolutely not. If someone said you could do one or two more games, of course, I would have loved that. But that's just not I knew that wasn't possible. So I felt OK with with it ending. I obviously, you know, you struggle with your identity, leaving sport. And um, that was difficult for me as well. I had kind of kind of to, started to build a voice and a platform. I was a USC volleyball player. And to really shift and grow from that was scary for me. But you know, it's taken time to really like feel confident in this new chapter in my life. And then when it comes to fitness, I, for so long was working out, not against my will, but I was told when to show up, told what workout to do. And that was that. And that's years of my life that I was never just like, oh, I want to do Zumba or I want to go on a hike. You know, it was showing up at a certain time and doing what we were told. So it was so liberating when I was done to just think about how do I want to move my body? What feels good to me? And to start to develop that mentality. And obviously with the body image issues, you know, the way I approach working out is not for aesthetic reasons, but it's more so I really want to move my body today. I love the feeling of sweat. I love the pounding in my heart. And, you know, I take that approach and it's such a more thrilling and pleasant experience. And so I, I've kind of like fallen into that and it's been great. I love doing the Peloton. Um, I love going on hikes. I love dance classes. Don't get me wrong. I took like three months off of like working out after I graduated. I just did not want to do a thing. But then eventually my skin was crawling for movement. Right. And that's how you know you really wanted it. Yeah. Intuitive exercise. (laughs) Yeah. No, literally. That's what I joke to everyone about. I'm like, I intuitively eat. I intuitively exercise. My whole life is intuitive. That's great. I'm trying to do that. It's just, you know, yeah, I think those are goals for everybody. Um, so what is like next for you? What are you, what are you working on in your podcast? Yeah. In terms of what's next for me, and this is interesting because it ties back to kind of everything we've been talking about, but with being an athlete, you're so goal oriented and don't get me wrong. Everyone is goal oriented. I'm not trying to say athletes are (laughs) no athletes like are more though. Well, everyone has goals, but yeah, especially I felt like I was always looking for the next team or the next award or the next statistic. And so I kind of am at this place where I'm trying to just wake up every single day and do what feels right for me and create something that inspires me and I think will help someone else and then go to sleep and then do that the next day. And I hope that I look back down the line and you string all those days together and I'm somewhere awesome. But a quote that someone said that really stuck with me recently was, you know, sometimes if you set goals, you get such a tunnel vision that you don't even consider another route or another opportunity or possibly even you're, you're almost putting a max on your potential, right? If your goal is I want to hit, um, I don't know, 5,000 followers and you're starting your platform, maybe you could have hit 10, but you're focusing on five. I don't know. But so he said that. And I just thought about, wow, you know, if I put this limit on, I want to do this, 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 maybe I, I'm going to ignore an option from someone else that happens during the process. That's really great because I'm thinking, no, what's not in line with this goal I set five months ago. So I've tried to just trust myself each and every day. And it's been working so far. Um, 
Yeah. And I know that's like not the best answer because it'd be nice to give that concrete goal, but I'll be honest. And that's kind of how I want to approach the new year as well is more of an intention and a philosophy for my mindset and the kind of person I want to be less about the the paper accomplishments. And I've also realized, and I'm sure you guys have realized this as well, that no matter what you achieve, it's not really going to bring you the missing piece to your puzzle. Totally. And I think I've realized that as well with like the little things in my life that felt like really cool accomplishments that I know I still was crying at night. So I have that perspective now. Well, I have a feeling that you'll, you're going to do great things like <laughs> either way, like whether you set the specific goal or you're just like, we're going in this direction. Like, I feel like you're going to be great. So I'm so <laughs> excited. So to, yeah, no, I mean, like I'm excited to, you know, help real, real pod grow and, you know, expose people to it. And I hope that Thanks. they really enjoy this interview. I would love that. And I know that you guys will be coming on real pod soon as well. So they can catch you guys there. Yeah. We're excited. We are, we are not quite the athletes. Are you guys ready to get, get real and, and tell me all your secrets? Oh yes. <laughs> we're done. We owe you some. So yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Victoria for joining us and where, so where can people follow you, watch, create, watch you create all of your amazing content and listen to your podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun to speak with you both. People can stay connected with me on Instagram. It is just at Victoria Garrick. And through Instagram, I'm sure they'll find the TikTok and the YouTube. You all know how that goes. Mm -hmm. And then my podcast is called Real Pod, and it can be streamed anywhere. And on that show, people come on to talk about mental health, body image, and ultimately just get real. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, email us dst at betches.com. Rate, review, subscribe, please. Again, it's the holidays. Show us that love. And you can follow Diet Starts Tomorrow at Diet Starts Tomorrow. No surprise there. At Sammy, at Aileen. And we're always with you. Through thick and thin. Diet Starts Tomorrow is hosted by Aileen Cooperman and Sammy Fishbine. Our editor is Sean Kilby. Our podcast producers are Mike Coscarelli, Sean Kilby, and Carly Rice. And artwork is by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram and email your questions and non-scale wins to dst at betches.com. Betches.